Democrats are on the verge of creating a new law that ties the hands of local school boards when it comes to protecting kids from sexually explicit material in schools. Meanwhile, there's more inconceivable hypocrisy in the Biden administration. They had no problem targeting parents who protest graphic books while at the same time pressuring Amazon to censor certain COVID books. We're going to talk about that and more today. Welcome to Speak Up Virginia, equipping you to speak up on the life, family, and freedom issues that matter most to you. From the Family Foundation, I'm your host, Candy Cushman, with our president, Victoria Cobb. Well, welcome, everybody. All right, we've crossed the halfway mark for session. You know, it's going fast. How are you feeling over there, Victoria? Well, you know, we knew kind of what we were going to get when we walked in. And so I would say it's been painfully predictable. Is that fair? Yeah, that is more than fair. <laughs> yeah, we're, you know, things are happening, unfortunately, on course of what happens when you have liberals in control of both chambers. Well, I like this graphic you shared on Facebook about the hypersonic ride. Tell us about that comparison. Yeah, it was actually a, a Facebook memory I put up a while ago because I don't think that ride exists still anymore at King's Dominion. But it, it's a, you know, it's, it's a ride. I, I'm not a big roller coaster person, right? So I would do this with my husband, who is a roller coaster person. And the way I would get through that ride was I would literally stand in line and I saw how long it took for the whole ride to be complete. And it was 18 seconds. And so I would sit there and I would just count to eight, close my eyes, count to 18, it'll be over. That's how I handled it. And that's <laughs> the analogy I was making on Facebook was that's how I handle session. No matter what, in 60 days, it will be over. So you just you just count. No matter how bad it goes, you just count. And you know, you get through it like the, you do the hypersonic. I don't know. I guess with all the good bills dying and the bad ones being pushed through, it kind of feels like we're stuck on that roller coaster hill and just kind of looking down at the cliff still. Would, would you say that's fair? Y yeah, it's definitely fair. Um, it's just some people enjoy that adrenaline. I, I don't happen to enjoy that <laughs> adrenaline on a roller coaster. So. All right. Well, since you're on the ride here, bring us up to speed real quick with some of these controversial bills we've been hearing about. Well, I mean, I guess we should mention a few things like that we've talked about on the show before. Um, so physician-assisted suicide is painfully continuing to move forward. We are desperately trying to kill that bill. Um, so we probably we, shouldn't use the word painfully with that. I just, I'm sorry. Okay, I, that's fair. That's <laughs> completely fair. Um, so that bill is moving forward. Um, we're still trying to stop the, the commercialization of marijuana. That's yeah. still moving forward. Um, the uh, gambling, we haven't talked about much on this show, but you know we're still trying to stop expanded gambling in Virginia. So um, I would say this, the good news is those constitutional amendments we've talked about a fair amount, both in the abortion issue and the marriage issue, those have been put to rest for this year on, in both versions, the House and the Senate as of um, just last week. So uh, we're glad to see that done. Okay, well, what do people watch for as like physician-assisted suicide and the gambling stuff continues to move through, or the marijuana stuff, I should say. Yeah, we really need people contacting their legislator because I do think there are some key people that we can pull off on on these things. And so we're constantly sending out alerts when it goes, you know, as, as if these things cross the chambers, right? So if they pass, you know, if they're passing the House or passing the Senate, um, we got to pull them off when they get back into committee. And so um, we need all hands on deck because that's what it's going to take to stop pot shops so on every corner. And so we should mention that crossover happened the day before this is going live. Yeah. So that means you want to pay attention to the bills are switching over to the other yes. chamber. Yes, it so. does. You know, post crossover, our, our, our work is a little bit, the number of bills has been pared down. But unfortunately, it means the really, really bad stuff is the stuff still alive. And so yeah. that's where all of our energies start getting focused. Yeah. Okay. 
Well, let's talk about what's going on with parental rights because this is kind of parental rights week for us because Mama Bear Day is this week, Thursday, February 15th, and we are gearing up for that and kind of the attention is on that right now. And so help us understand what's going on. I know, you know, it's it's been very disappointing because the Democrats, I'm sorry, but I just got to say the Democrats have pretty much dug in their heels, no kind of civil, reasonable working on, you know, just reasonable ways to work together to have agreements on how to protect kids. It is just really party line digging in your heels. We have had some Republicans getting wishy-washy, like a couple that's been disappointing on some of these issues. Um, But for the most part, the left wing of the party just, I'm sorry to say, they will not find agreement even on things you would think would be common sense that should be bipartisan, that we should find ways to just do basic protection of kids. Well, because what you see in committee is that the VEA, the teachers union and the superintendents, they get up there and they argue against parents. And the, and these um, typically Democrat legislators know that that's who elects them yeah. is, is the teachers unions. And so they are just being overly responsive to, I mean, I just wish parents understood that literally they're trying to protect their kid in schools and the, the, the unions for all the people in their schools are down here fighting them. And that's why I, I've said before, it's important that we're up there, that we're bringing the parents up through Mama Bear Day, our Parental Rights yes. Day. Um, but Sage's Law is a great example of this blockade that is so tragic. Tell us about that. Yeah, I, I, you know, we've talked about that, that bill on this show before because we did have it last year and we're trying to bring it back this year. And what you've got is, is, is it's really, and it's named this because the story is so compelling. If there's ever been a moment to tell parents, this story illuminates how important that is. And it's just about, uh, you know, a young girl who um, thought she was confused about her gender and the school hid that from her parent and ultimately she gets drawn into sex trafficking and it's it's a horrific story but it illustrates look we got to have parent partnership on this between the school and the parent when kids are confused around gender issues and unfortunately we just saw the same thing this year where it's like party line they vote voted down and so it's not moving forward anymore i don't know how you don't hear this and think all right, there are some basic things that we can work together on protecting kids. And it, yeah, parents need to know what's happening if you're sending a little girl to the boys' bathroom, right? Yeah, there's no question that the school was in such grave error. And this story illuminates probably, and, and this is what Michelle has said in other places, that they've heard from other parents. I was going to say probably in, in many other cases. This is the one we know. But for everyone, the, every story that we know, we know there are other parents reaching out to Sage and Sage's mom going, this mm-hmm. is happening to us too, where we're not getting the information we need. And, and I, I like your point that they handed this child websites. I mean, the school may have been liable. I mean, you, you know, you've no idea. Right. But literally, the idea that they didn't send her to a parent, they sent her to the Internet. Yes. Let's just think about that. We are seeing what? that theme over and over. Yes. And so I will say, because she didn't get to share her whole testimony, Delegate Freitas is such a class act. He wanted the whole thing to be heard, so he used his time on the House floor to read the letter, her testimony, in its entirety. So we're just going to play. Unfortunately, we don't have time for the whole thing. We're just going to play the, the ending clip of that. Keeping parents in the dark has created a huge market for predators on the internet. This is a subject nobody wants to talk about until it happens to your child. Kids aren't being thrown out by parents. They're being lured by predators online. Human trafficking is very real in Virginia with major routes along 81, 64, and 29. It's a miracle my sage was even found. One of four girls and one of six boys will be sexually abused before they are 18, and once they are in state care, the risk of abuse skyrockets. 
Today, Sage looks back and tells me she doesn't know who she was then, that she was never a boy, she just wanted to fit in, and yet every authority jumped on gender and made life-changing, disastrous choices for her that I was powerless to stop. They had no right to keep my daughter from me, especially at a time when she needed me the most. So that is why we need Sage's Law. It's as basic as it gets. Parents need to know what is going on with their own children at school and parents. So school and parents have the right to raise their own children because they know and love them more than any teacher, counselor, or judge ever would. Families all over the country have told me of similar stories torn about by gender ideology. It is past time for the destruction to stop. You can't fix what happened to Sage, but you can protect others. It's why she had the courage to share her story. It's now your turn to show a fraction of that courage and pass Sage's law. I understand that we have differences with respect to what is the best policy to address something like this. The bill will come back. <laughs> I guarantee you, Ms. Blair will come back. And I sincerely hope next time you hear the testimony from her because I promise you I can't do it justice, Mr. Speaker. Thank you. Okay, well, I just have to point out, in case y'all didn't notice, that they cut the audio off. Well, you can see people standing up. He actually, some people are giving him a standing ovation and clapping. And you can't tell or hear because they cut the audio off. You just see people standing silently. So for those of you on audio only, if you heard a few seconds of silence, that's why. Well, literally one of our staff members noticed that people's faces were so sad afterwards. And they, they shot a picture from the screenshot. And I looked at the house clerk. And it, I've never seen Paul Nardo. He's a wonderful man if you don't know the house clerk. But anyway, like I've never seen oh. him. It was like this sad, sad face. And I thought, yeah, if you're, especially if you're hearing it for the first time. Some of us have gotten to know Michelle. And you know, she when she first reached out to our Law Center, how far we've come with introducing this bill. And so, you know, it's it's now to the point where I'm not, you know, devastated every single time I hear it, but you but you should be, really. It's yeah. that sad. I mean, and for these people, the, most people on that floor had, had never heard the full story because they're not in committee and it never... Well, Nick Freitas was right. Michelle will be back and this bill will be back. And in fact, Nick and Michelle will be back this week. They're going to be speaking at the Mama Bear Day press conference talking about how we have to keep reminding people we've got to honor the basic parental rights that are in the Virginia Constitution. Well, that's the thing. And I think, and there's, you know, we'll have another story or two as part of that press conference. It just shows the need that parents have to be respected by the school. The schools have got to step in and say, the parent is in charge, and if the parent is saying, I don't want my kid involved with these things, I don't want these library books, I don't want my kids being handed websites, the school has got to respect that. Yeah, and so, you know, when, when that's what we're going to do to bring attention to this through these different bills that are just horrible that are going through and the ones that they're shooting down, you know, we're going to challenge them. The parents are not going to go away. I, I think you're going to be hearing more and more Michelle Blair's about more and more sages. This is not disappearing, so we're keeping it in front of their face, and that's part of what we're doing through Mama Bear Day, Parental Rights Day, is also not only this press conference to give parents themselves a platform, but also um, to get them in front of their legislators. We're taking teams of parents around to senators and representatives. I mean, I just want to mention real quick, there is this dad also that will be speaking whose six-year-old went to class and 
was exposed to this conversation. It was it was a guest speaker. I think it was one of the other kids' parents. Um, it was a man dressed as a woman. It was a, a transgender person. But, you know, to the kids, it looks like a man dressed as a woman, and the kids were confused. So they're asking, you know what, they're asking him, what's going on? Are you, are you so-and-so's dad? And he's saying, well, I used to be so-and-so's dad, but now I'm the second mom. And so this dad has his six-year-old asking him these questions at dinner that he had no knowledge of beforehand. And so we're going to have these kinds of stories from the parents themselves highlighted Well, I think what's important about that story, too, is these are even parents who had their child opted out of learning about these things in family life education. So I think they need to hear, look, parents are doing what they can to protect their child within the school system, and we're still butting heads with the school over these things. Yes, he had proactively opted out of the whole family life education, sex education, LGBTQ teaching, and still this happens. You know what else, Victoria? They're a military family. And a lot of times military families, they can't just take their kid out of the school and pop them in a private school. So uh, there's just a lot of reasons why this is definitely not going away. Yeah, I think it's going to be a, a great – if you haven't come down to Mama Bear Day, that's, that's, that's an awesome event. And so, But I think also one of the things that we just need to highlight is some of what they're up against. So yeah. I think we need to mention – you know, I mentioned earlier the teachers' unions and, and the folks that are down there saying that a parent – doesn't really have the right to know. And so I I thought we ought to highlight this clip that came out of committee where you had actually a representative of the Virginia Education Association who basically said, you know, you can't drive a wedge between the student and their teacher. Um, Okay, I thought that was so (laughs) funny because all I've heard from you all year is we cannot put a wedge between parents parents and students. And he uses the exact same line and inserts the word teachers. Yes, I I think we should just, let's just play out a minute for this clip and people can take a look for themselves. Our teachers know that you can't effectively teach students when they don't trust or respect you. And certainly this bill drives a wedge between that relationship. So we strongly oppose both bills. All right, Victoria, break down for us what is wrong with that statement. Oh, my goodness. They are not concerned about the trust between parents and children. They're concerned about the trust between a teacher and a child. I just want to remind people, in the life of a child, a teacher is there for like, I mean, I value teachers. They're wonderful. But compared to a parent who loves and cares for this child, this idea that we have to have trust with the teacher and therefore violate trust with the parent, everything's wrong about that statement. Yeah, it it puts, it exalts educators above the core rights and responsibilities of the parents. Plus, you and I were talking about, I don't, how much trust, deep psychological trust, do you really need to teach a math problem? Now, I get, you know, kids got to feel safe with their teachers. But the reason they're harping on this trust stuff so much is because they're trying to do more than arithmetic and language yeah. they're in English. They're, they're trying to do social indoctrination. That's why they want That's all, why they want trust. <laughs> trust this. is how you indoctrinate children. And I'm not saying that teachers and kids shouldn't have trust. I'm just saying this idea that it has to be there and that it has to be forefront in front of, more important than what goes on between a parent and a child. That's where we're really losing course. Um, I hate to remind people, but you don't even get to pick your own child's teacher. The school system picks all these people, and your child gets assigned to this classroom, and therefore, it just, the whole thing is insane. Yeah. All right. Well, before we talk a little bit more about a big, bad parental rights bill that we want to alert you about, I just want to mention that there was a lot of news on Save Girls Sports that also was going on. And once again, Riley Gaines came out to, to speak, and you know, she knocks it out of the park every time. But let's just listen to her testimony real quick. Good morning, committee members. Uh, my name is Riley Gaines. I'm an ambassador for Independent Women's Voice. And here we are again. Most of you know my story as I shared it last year before this same committee. 
Uh, you have heard about the unfair competition. You know that we were forced to undress in front of a six foot four man while he simultaneously stripped down in front of us. Last year, I got emotional when describing this traumatic experience in front of this body. Um, I listened as members naively said the infamous words, well, this isn't happening here, or this is, um, Madam, you know, this please don't athletes. disparage members of the body. We're focused on decorum today. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Um, I heard last year, well, this is only middle school girls basketball. Who really cares? Or it only affects such a small percentage of people, which is a disingenuous rebuttal. It's an admittance that this could eventually become a problem, but it's not one yet. And so my question is how many girls have to be injured before women are deemed worthy of safe competition by those who create these policies and laws? And how many girls must be exploited in locker rooms? How many girls have to lose out on opportunities they have worked their entire lives for? Thank you um, so much for joining us, but your, your time has run out. Category. Thank you. Okay, I just have to say, I did find it kind of funny in an ironic way that they're telling her, they're cutting her off saying you're disparaging people. I, I had, I did a double take. What is she, who is she disparaging? And then I guess she was um, saying that they're naive and they, they thought that was an insult. Yeah. The only thing they could have possibly um, felt was insulting was the naive comment. What they really didn't want was the accountability, right? She was basically holding them accountable for what had been said last year, which is like, oh, there's no problem. You know, this is a, they always say this down at the general summit. This is a yeah. bill in search of a problem. You know, we don't it's know like, what the problem we don't, need is. A, we don't need a solution because there's no problem. You know, that's like a very standard thing. And so they tried to pull that on her last year. And, you know, she's making the point how many people have to be exploited, how many have to um, have to change in a, a dressing room with a, a somebody yeah. of the opposite biological sex, how many kids have to lose their scholarships. Yeah. I mean, she made a really she, she just continues to be a force of nature on this bill, both here in Virginia yeah. and then, of course, around the country. Yeah. She's saying, well, last year you said this. So my question to you now is, well, how many do you need? Because you can't these, ignore the stories yeah. that have been there, right? Like everybody yeah. knows this is now an issue. And so just to perfectly illustrate her point, it just so happened that right after she spoke, we heard from this Roanoke College student, Susanna Price, who also gave a very powerful point. Um, she said, quote, for the first time ever, I considered quitting. That's that's because they had a biological male, you know, tr coming in that was obviously going to outperform all of them. Now they were able to defeat that scenario, um, but she was still disillusioned with the whole thing. Oh, I don't think there's any question that it gets disillusioning, the idea that you're never going to be able I mean, that just biologically, a girl is not going to be able to keep up with a boy in certain sports. And so they literally know, I'm walking into a situation I can't win. Um, you know, when it's an opponent or if it's somebody on your team where it's just uncomfortable, I don't want to be every, you know, every event in, yeah. a, in a locker room with this. And I honestly, what's interesting about that is um, some of the testimony our team gave, which I think is so interesting, is just the idea that, hold on a second, this same group of legislators every year rejects the, the Tim Tebow bill, which is just literally saying homeschoolers can try yeah. out. They can just try out on a public school team. And the reason they reject it is they say, you're going to take a spot from some other kid. But here we have boys taking spots from girls on sports teams, and they don't care about that. Exactly. It's the, hypocr the hypocrisy is just insane. Yeah. It, we are so hyper-politicized about we need to keep people safe and protect their emotions. But when you really look at it, it's only, it's only certain, certain people. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Um, well, Riley Gaines was very frustrated with this whole thing, and she texted about it. She, you know, just the way the Democrats swept aside these really heartbreaking stories, excellent points that are being made, and just still blocked the whole bill. Um, so she texted, we're going to put this on the screen, Virginia is no better than California with this vote, is what she said. Now, that is quite the insult. 
Yeah, we try not to compare ourselves to California, although we've had other issues lately that are reminding us that we are no longer in the uh, the conservative South. Let's put it that way. Um, so, yeah, but I loved that Governor Yunkin then responds because he doesn't want a California comparison either, but he appreciates that that's where we are. So he responds and he says, let me be let's uh, sorry. Let's be clear. Men should not be playing women's sports. It's just common sense. We must protect fairness in girls sports. I'm glad to see him strong on that. But I have to say. I'm sorry if we keep doing this in Virginia with abortion and these these other bills, marijuana. I'm sorry, we are going to become California if we don't put a stop to this, right? Yes, and we still, Yunkin has made this a big point. The governor has really harped on this, but we still have more people leaving Virginia than coming to Virginia. And I, that's has been a trend mm-hmm. and I'm telling you I know why and they're going south by the way just yeah. FYI if you look at migration more south. they're going to more conservative states because I thought I was south when I moved here yeah but you mean more south more south <laughs> more south um, it depends if you're from the south or from the north whether you think yeah. it's the north or south I can elaborate on that some other time yeah that's but. another topic <laughs> all right well getting back to the parental rights side of things At the time of this taping, there was a really bad bill going through that basically undermines both parents and school board members' ability to try to weigh in when there is explicit content, explicit books at the school that we don't want young kids exposed to. Yeah, we thought, you know, a lot of this was, you know, has been vocalized well enough to leave this issue alone and let school boards do the right thing. But no, instead we have a bill from Senator Hashmi, and it is a bill that has already passed the Senate, and there's a companion bill on the House. This is with Delegate Delaney, um, House Bill 571. And basically, and we're expecting by the time we've taped this, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. that it may have passed the House. Mm -hmm. So we're going to be really dealing with this the rest of the session. But basically, it's assuming it passed, it would codify language that basically ties the hands of school boards from being able to respond to parents' requests saying that certain material is too graphic to be age-appropriate for their their child's library in in schools. And so um, it it does this, and it does it by saying that no policies adopted by the Department of Education or school board themselves can be, quote, construed to permit the censoring of books in any public elementary or secondary school. All right, I just want to camp out a little bit on that word, word censoring yeah. because we know that is a loaded term. And we know that what's really been happening all across the country and also here in Virginia is not about censoring at these schools. It's about parents standing up saying, hey, I don't want my 10-year-old you know, being exposed to these graphic illustrations of sexual behavior, um, you know, the graphic descriptions of things like rape and worse. This is what this is about, just protecting young kids, e- even just really young children, you know, and even in elementary, that's what parents are concerned about. It's nothing is being censored nationwide. People can still go and get these books. It's about what we're exposing our children to in taxpayer-funded schools. Yeah, and I think what they're doing here is they're trying to send this message that it's okay to have these sexually explicit materials and even pornographic books if you want because they have no definition of what we're talking about here. And so it's wide open. And if you can't censor, that means really essentially they're saying you can't sort of segregate any books to certain ages that's what they're saying you can't sort of yeah. say these books are appropriate for these ages and and whatnot and so i'm sorry can playboy and hustler then be well in that's I mean, the question i mean that is a legitimate can't censor anything it sounds insane and actually i think many of those magazines might be dying so i, I think i've yeah, heard that i don't know which ones are i need still to alive. update my but the, con- but the yeah. concept is still and it's just crazy because we i mean we dealt with this a million years ago when it was library filters in the computers with the kids children's computers you know what are they able to access online so that's the more updated version right but no but 
here's the thing. They're just trying to give local school board members this thing they can hang their hat on when parents come to them and say, this book's inappropriate. The school board member's going to go, oh, I'm so sorry. I can't do anything. Oh, this law passed and I can't do anything. And that's not whatever. I mean, that is absolutely not what's being intended by the the simple instruction that we're not going to have. You know, this all stemmed from just a great bill that we passed that just simply said, look, you're not going to have sexually explicit material in the curriculum without telling the parent. That This yeah. is all started there, and that that's such a reasonable policy. Well, speaking of that, I just want to prepare people for what they're going to hear from Democrats justifying this. And they keep saying, this is not a problem, that we're exaggerating. This only applies to a narrow part of a law that has already passed and that was referring to the, the Governor Youngkin law about giving parents permission to opt their kids out of explicit material. We're just narrowly talking about that law and making a clarification. How do you respond to that? Yeah, our team has done a great job literally laying it on talking points for every legislator. This is not the same words. So they're claiming it's the same words as what was in an enactment clause. That's all mumbo-jumbo. Yeah, yeah, I don't think people care about that. But there's a little enactment clause, and they're claiming, oh, it's the same thing that's in there, except it's not. It's not the same language, and what they do is very clearly they're trying to tell school boards you can't um, age-restrict books. Okay. All right. Also, I will just mention, you know, of course the Democrats are pushing this through, but we've also been disappointed to see a couple of Republicans helping them. Oh, yeah. I don't think there's any question. It's been incredibly disappointing um, that anybody would go along with this. But, yes, Delegate Coiner has been voting for this. She's a delegate out of the sort of south side of Richmond, Chesterfield kind of area. Um, and she has been voting regularly against parents, which has been really disappointing. Um, and and we also saw Senator Suterline come on board on okay. this. And we don't really know why he would do that. So we're, we need and to I, be in conversations with these guys. I just got a note here, too, from our, our guy Todd um, Ennis also. Oh, gosh. Yeah. So maybe we still have some education to do with these legislators to understand that this is valuable or they're falling for this idea that, oh, it's already in the code and this would quell the local school board battles. But you're not going to silence parents if you're not doing the right thing. All right, so what do, what do people do? They want to oppose this bill and help us with this. Yeah, so we have an action center on our website at familyfoundation.org. You can actually go see a banner now that shows an action site, and it'll kind of get you to the bill and allow you to contact your legislator. But um, if, you're, if you don't already have that, um, knowledge of who your legislator is or, or, or all of that. So we really need people to be very zoned in on the legislator because, again, these bills can be stopped, especially with a lot of outrage. And then, of course, we are going to have to focus on Governor Yunkin and asking him to fortify his already existing policy that he was a big proponent of and not let this undermine that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so and one thing that's going to help is that I mentioned before, Mama Bear Day, Parental yes. Rights Day, we're going to have talking points out along with that to help people articulate to their representative. We'll be putting that online. So those will be some resources that will help you. And if you hear this in time to get out to Mama Bear Day on February 15th, you can sign up at familyfoundation.org slash Mama Bear Day. Well, it's that time again. Time for our Inconceivable Moments Award. This is where we're featuring examples of the absolute lunacy and craziness that happens when cultural leaders try to give guidance completely apart from biblical principles. And we're calling this the Liberals' Most Inconceivable Moments Award. Inconceivable! All right, well, I hate to say it, but we're going to be talking about the Biden administration again today because I'm sorry, but they just have way too much low-hanging fruit out there that falls into the inconceivable territory. This is just the landscape that we live in, and they are in the news yet again. It appears the Biden administration 
has basically pressured Amazon to censor books that did not stick to politically correct messaging on the whole vaccine issue. Yeah, so you've got this pretty incriminating email chain out there, which was unearthed by a House Judiciary Committee subpoena. So we now, it's nice having a, a speaker and folks that are willing to look into these things. But anyway, so so this email reveals, it's from a White House senior advisor named Andrew Slavitt. And basically back in 2021, he sent an email to Amazon asking, during the whole COVID yeah, thing. Yeah, 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 okay, yeah. We're going backwards in time, but it's, it's just COVID. now, it's just been coming out yeah. now. Um, so basically he asks Amazon and it says, quote, who can we talk to about the high levels of propaganda and misinformation and disinformation? And he goes on to explain that basically if you search for vaccines under the book section of their site, you're going to get, quote, concerning information uh, pop up. And so anyway, not long after that, it appears that Amazon actually did indeed begin limiting the search visibility of titles that might have questioned the effectiveness of vaccines. OK, first of all, can I just say it's kind of scary to think about some guy in the White House spending his time sitting around searching, you know, book distributor sites to see what comes up. You know, I don't, is he paid to do this that they now are paid to spend their time looking for books out there that need to be censored? That's a really great question and very disturbing. And um, I just sit here and think like, wow, why didn't, the, why doesn't this private company, I mean, if the government asked me to do something mm. to harm my fellow citizens, I would push back. Amazon should have pushed well, back. Well, there is a lot of email traffic within yeah. where they there was a lot like, of consternation. How are right. we going to handle this? Do they want us to take take the books out? Right. Do they just want us to reduce visibility? There's all this talk going yeah. on in the emails. Yeah. Um, so clearly they felt they were feeling tremendous pressure. Yeah. Um, and it, it appears that they responded because things happened shortly after all this. Um, but I what stood out to me is you've got this trend, just news keeps coming out about the government the White House um, putting pressure on, it started with social media. Yeah. You know, they're seeing things they don't like on social media. They reach out to Facebook or whoever the social platform is, start putting pressure there. But it feels like it's escalated when you start moving into actual books. I mean, that does feel like big brother territory, definitely. Yeah, it feels like we have sort of the First Amendment and things that sort of protect this just space for any idea. But we apparently have a government that really does periodically step in and try to limit this stuff. It feels very big, brother. I think, you you know, this idea that you're what you're seeing. So I just people need to know what they're seeing may have already gone through filters. You're not looking at yeah. I mean, even in private companies. I think we assume that maybe when we go to government sites that they're calling through information, deciding what we see. But you don't assume that when you're going to an Amazon site. You think you're just seeing all the books that are out there that they happen to carry. And people wonder why we're having a trust crisis in this nation. But OK, just for a little bit of fun, I'm going to play this clip from back in the day when President Biden appears to be saying that he thinks Facebook is killing people. So let's just watch that little Jim. What's your message to platforms like Facebook? They're killing people. I mean, it really, look, the only pandemic we have is among the unvaccinated. And, that, and, they're, and they're killing people. All right. Regardless of how you feel about vaccines, hopefully we all can agree that if we're going to remain a truly free people, a free society, that they should be able to access different viewpoints on even that issue. You, you can't truly be an educated people if you cannot access different points of view. And this is especially dicey in the medical world. I've shared with you frustration, you know, when I've gone to a doctor and I can't get 
an answer to questions and they're they're kind of they're acting like you're supposed to make a decision well i'm not really making the decision if i don't have information you're just telling me what to do well escalate that up to the government level if we can't even get books with different viewpoints we're really just doing what they tell us to do right yeah i'm just i'm having visuals of book burnings in the middle of the street and, and you know in some of the i mean this is i mean this is happening through the internet, so it's a different. We don't see the visual of book burning. Yeah. But 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 really, I mean, is that not what we're doing? We're essentially saying, hide these. Don't let these come out on the shelves. If it was like a bricks and mortar bookstore, don't yeah. you know put those away. People can't have access to that. And it's a private company. They, I mean, yes, they ob- obviously make decisions about what they put out there. We can't assume that they show us every single book, that they carry every single book. But Amazon has kind of been known as like, whatever you want, you can go find it on Amazon. Yeah. I hate to say it. That's um, that's kind of been the way it's been. Also, what is so ironic about this is that the White House has been posturing itself as the big defender of books. They have been going after local school boards that they think have, you know, been aggressive and trying to respond to parents you know, concerns about explicit books. So they've come in there, invaded local communities, basically threatening school board members if they respond to parents' concerns about these explicit books. And don't forget, they jumped in and called all those parents domestic terrorists, <laughs> right? We had that yeah. whole incident. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's amazing to watch the irony of them feeling very comfortable in actually censoring books and yet claiming that that's such a big deal when we're talking yeah. about K to 12 year old, you know, like age yeah. kids. Yeah. A- again, you see the left wing trying to have it both ways on so many issues and it, it gets down to power, you know, at the end of the day. Well, I guess that means once again, we've got to give the inconceivable award to the Biden administration, but also we're going to throw Amazon in there too, because both of them are keeping this big brother trend alive and well. Yeah, well, I think with that, we probably need to wrap up, but we're so excited for Mama Bear Day this week and all the all the amazing action, and we need people to take action on the internet as well, be calling their legislator. Um, so I think uh, with that, we probably need to, to give it a wrap. Remember, we are stronger when we speak together. See you next time. <laughs>